0: All righty, we are continuing with the concept that we introduced last week, which is about something which is mukta specifically because it is designated as valuable. That does not necessarily mean it's expensive. <coughs> Excuse me. But what we're going to see today is exactly that question. What determines chisaron kis? What is the what are the parameters of kiss? If you remember last week, and I could have put it on the Zor sheet, but if you remember last week we talked we looked at a rashi that said, that if it is three things, right? One is kapti alaihu, that it's something you're you're adamant about, you're meticulous about. Or and and or It is, it has a specific spot, which we said may or may not be that integral to the definition. And then lastly, we said, uh, I forgot the words that he used, but it's not used for something else. So those are the three things that Rashi had said. If you sort of rewind, that was on Dach, Kuf Chav Gimel. And if you remember, we looked at the Gemara later on in Kuf Nun Hey or something like that. Much later on, at the end of the Messiah, which basically said that even Rabbi Shimon agrees to that, right? So that's on the da, page one twenty three, page one fifty four, whatever it was. I forgot what page it was. It was like one of the last one fifty six, one fifty seven was the last. It was the very last page of upshot.. Something like it. it was one of the last pages. Either way, so. Um, So we had established those two Gemaras. There's another Gemara on Shabbos d'af yud tes, on the 19th page, which is really the 38th page, which is really the 36th page, because there's no real one or two page, fine. But if you look at this Gemara, you'll see an interesting, uh, perhaps, connection, or perhaps disconnection. The Gemara tells us, Shemen shel badadin. Shemen shel badadin. Oil of an olive press, like bad. I don't know if people know the, the word bad. Do we know that from something else? Yeah. What is it? That's different. That's linen. linen. This is like bad, like the 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 press of the olives. I don't know how to. I don't know what other uh, example we have or context we have with that. But either way, it's the oil that comes from the olive press. And, you know, more important for us, the mats of the olive pressers. Right? So you have the olive itself, the olive oil itself, and then you have the actual apparatus, apparatus of the olive press. Rav, Asar. Rav says those are asar. What does that mean, they're Asar? They're mukta, right? It's, it's, it's always a little, you know... Uh, you know, it's always a little um, elusive what the Gemara sometimes refers to when it just uses sort of a categorical the word, aser. Sometimes it depends on context. You can see what the Gemara was talking about, what the Mishnah was talking about, that it's commenting on, and you can understand what the iser is. Here it does not mean that it's prohibited from the Torah. Oftentimes the word Asur means there's a Biblical prohibition. You can't do it. Here what it really means is that it's Muktza, it's Asur Midr-Abbana. Shari, and Shmol says it's okay. So, why, if we were to put our own thinking caps on, why would Rob say that it's us sir? Okay, maybe And therefore okay, but we're not talking about doing the malacca, we're talking about moving the thing. What makes it mukta? Most- Right, there always has to be a reason for something to become muktzah. This is just magically become muktzah. So there's got to be a reason. Right? We've talked about a few different categories. I what category? No, like no. Okay. There is. Good. So, so first of all, always always a good idea to connect to the topic that we're talking about. So it's possible that it's muktzah Mas saron but not because of the reason you just said. Most probably, you could say that this is a kolishim lach to it is an item which is designated for a prohibited purpose, right? Which is what we've been... Now, it might also be, which is what we talked about last week, and we might talk about next week, it might also be overlapping with the concepts of Muqtama, Musket, and Oftentimes, they are overlapping, and if you ask some post they have to be overlapping, right? So it depends. That's part of the discussion tonight, although we're not going to get there. Rav says it's us, or I don't think we're going to get there. Rav says, Why would Shmul say it's okay? Well, I mean, Rob says it's, you know, klisha machdalister, or it's muktanachbas and Jamal says no, it's not. What do you mean? It either is or it isn't. <clears throat> so let's keep reading. Hani uh, Those mats. What are those mats? So if you, this is what Rashi says. You can see it in the English here. Along the same lines, they disagreed with regard to those mats used to cover merchandise transported on a ship. right? These are not in the olive press, but they're just general, I don't know what you would call them in the modern world, if there is, if there is any kind of corollary, but they're some kind of protection for merchandise. Rav Asar Ushmol Shari. Excuse me. What do we know about merchandise and a seller's relationship to them? Let's assume that it's something you want to protect. Monetary value. value. And similar to what Rashi had said, it's something you're probably meticulous about. You're you're covering this thing, which means that this item is being used in a specific way so that you can, you can protect it and that you can keep it um, safe or or designated its spot, right? You're you're, you're saying this is where these things are going to be and you can't touch it. So Rav Asdar Ushmu Al Shari. Rav says that's 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 prohibited, right? We would let's call it for now. Let's see what the English says. Rav prohibited using them because they are set aside. And Shmuel said they're fine. <coughs> okay. Keep going. Rav of Nachman. Rav Nachman said, I got something in my throat. This is going to be relevant for Sarita's history. A goat which is raised for its milk. Mm-hmm. Mukta or not, Sarita. Oh, to touch? Yeah. To touch Animals are always mukta. That's first of all. Except you they have to do okay? that Yeah, they have to do that. Oh okay, good. So this is this is the question I know Sarita dealt with on the kibbutz. I remember. Good, good, good. The question is what to do with that milk? But generally, you can't use the animal. Whether that's considered use this is a different question. It's it might not be considered use. It's supposed to be sold, but not Okay, enough we haven't... not to get any from it. What are you talking about? The milk. Oh, the milk, oh, the the milk. okay. The milk um, you can't get any benefit. You might also not even be able to collect it. You might have to... It has to be I mean, you know, you can't waste it. Maybe you can. If, if, if a monetary issue? Okay, so that could be a different question. I don't know okay, about that. Um, the Gemara says explicitly that you should let it waste, let it go to waste. The, um, the, um, that could just be for like a mother. Health, I, I can't remember whatever board it was in Israel. Um, the uh, that they, the, they said we should have Arab workers on Shabbat, but that was against the, um, you know, Israeli policy. So wouldn't have any work, just milk, cows, and we ourselves. The all right. It's an interesting shiloh. I don't know what Rabbi uh, addressed they, it. They, they got around it somehow. And, and okay. Did, and, Sounds, and the to Tenizla. Sounds uh, complicated to me. Um, <coughs> so, <coughs> These are all interesting examples. Tell me what's what's what's... What's the common denominator? A goat raised for its milk, a ewe that is raised for shearing its wool. What, what a ch- about the wool the initial one it even be mentioned you don't have to do anything to use the wool on shower. Good. Let's keep reading. And a chicken raised for its egg and an oxen used for plowing, all of which are designated, designated for purposes other than eating, as well as dates used for commerce. In all of these, Rav prohibited using them for food or slaughtering them even on a festival due to the prohibition of set aside, which is what we would call mukta. Mukta means, right, to be set aside. So, sorry to tell you what is the, what is, what is the reason for these things being mukta. Literally, they're being set aside. Well, why are they being set aside? What if you didn't say that they were set aside? Are they already assumed to be set aside? Is there something I had in mind before Shabbos to say, oh, these are set aside? Is there something natural about their identities which makes them set aside? That's our question. Irena, you got something? So when we say that something is set aside, like a sheep for wool or a chicken for eggs, why are they set aside? Why would they be mukta? What category of mukta? So you don't necessarily need a category of mukta. If you were to come along and say, I hereby declare I'm not using my belt this Shabbos. I am setting it aside. Okay, well, then fine. You just made your belt mukta. You can do that. But let's say you didn't say anything like that. If you didn't say anything like that, so then we've seen already that there are some categories that happen without your knowledge, well, with your subconscious knowledge, I should say. Sticks and stones are already mukta. They're mukta because you're not going to use them. It is already embedded within a person's psyche that they're not using that thing on Shabbos. And therefore, it's considered mukta. It's considered set aside already. And then we have things that are clearly not set aside. My fork, my spoon, my whatever. Right, those are klesham lafala Even if we're klesham it should be fine. But those are things that are obviously set aside, that, that are set not aside, but set for my use. So those are clearly not mukta. Then we have other situations which we've been discussing. A an item which is set aside for something valuable, something of considerable worth or more relevant for today, something of, of concern that you don't want it to be used for other purposes. So here you could make a very interesting case that when you have a chicken for the eggs, not for food, when you have a uh, a sheep for its wool, not for food. When you have dates that you're going to be selling. What does it mean selling? That's literally your, it's your livelihood. So there's no greater example of mukta makhmas chisarom kis than that. That's your, that's your merchandise. You're using that to make money. So you are literally losing money if those dates are eaten or they're moved. So that's what someone would look at this Gemara and say. They are muksa mas, ma'as sarankis. kis. These things cannot be touched because they are valuable. Not necessarily because they're so expensive, but they're valuable to you. You are meticulous about them. There's only one problem with that, and that's the continuation of the Gemara. What does the Gemara then say? Right until now, we've had two opinions: Rav and Shmuel. Rav and Shmuel always argue. By the way, they are chavruses. Chavruses argue with us. They're supposed to argue, not in an emotional, hostile way, in an intellectual pursuit of truth way. So, Rav we always pass them, by the way, when it comes to Isuram, we usually pass them like Rav. And when it comes to Mamon, when it comes to money issues, we usually pass them like Shmur. In this case, it happens to be that they're not arguing on their own. They are arguing based on somebody else's opinions. That's the next part of the Gemara. They come mislagi, and they are arguing mislag. the word Plag. Anyone know the word Plag means? Yeah, good. Good, it's the same word. What does the word plag mean? <laughs> that's how we use it. The word plag ha literally is referring to half. You're splitting something. Because plag ha is the middle of the afternoon. So that's, why, that's what plag is. What we call, you know, mincha, like regular Shabbos, that's the end of the afternoon already. right? Plag is the middle. It's not exactly the middle, but you know, for argument's sake, it's the middle. Um, and that's why we use that word plag. Similarly here, kamislegi. you see the word plog in there, that's referring to an argument. They are split. They're disagreeing. He says one thing, he says another thing. They're on either side of the plog, either side of the distinction. Right? They're split. So that's what it means here. The kamislagi bipluxa, That's just the verb and the noun form of the word plog. They are arguing or they are split about the split. They're arguing about the argument. Kamislagi bepluxa the Rebbe Yehuda of Rebbe Shimon. They're arguing over the same thing as Rebbe Yehuda and Rebbe Shimon. Who are Rebbe Yehuda and Rebbe Shimon? All the way originally. What is mukta all about? Mukta is all about what the default is and what are the exceptions. According to Rebbe Yehuda, everything is default mukta until you say it's not or until we assume it's not. And according to Rebbe Shimon, everything is default okay unless we assume it's not. That's the default. So here is a case of Rav and Shimon disagreeing within the same terms as Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon in what way are these the same because both Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon would look at this both Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda, and Rabbi Shimon will look at this, these cases of the chicken for eggs and the uh, and the youth for its uh, for its for its shearing and the goat for the milk etc they would look at these and say well these they're on the fence let's be lenient I'm Rabbi Shimon or let's be stringent if I'm Rabbi Yehuda, because the default is, you know, err on the side of caution for Rabbi Yehuda. The default for Rabbi Shimon is err on the side of permissibility. So the default for Rabbi Shimon would say these things are good, just like Shemuel says. Shemuel Shari, Shemuel says they're good, and Rabbi and Rab says no, they're us, they're like Rabbi Yehuda would say. Why what, what is he sharing the view and telling um, with the ox even mentioned? Because those things are both, obviously, what say you can't cut. <coughs> Now, or from so, but you, you could chef them. Well, let's say it's yantif. Okay, just including too. So you could chef the animal and eat it on if You're allowed to do oh. that. And you could shear the ball of the. No, you can't shear. That's oh. not for eating. Mm-hmm. Well, you could eat the you can't you? I don't know if people want to. It's you, gamey, but. You, you do eat I mean, that's I'm honey. saying that's so. That's. So then, you should be allowed to eat it on Yom but we're saying you're not allowed to. No, the sheep is designated for shearing. That doesn't mean you can't use it for something else. It be used for milk too? Right? Yeah, yeah, it could be used for a lot of things. But this is my my wool shearing you. I've got a different ewe that I use for my milk. I got I don't know if they produce milk, but I have a different. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know. use are female or male. I don't know. <laughs> No, I know that sheep. Are, I don't know if the U is like a male form of the sheep. I don't know. U is a female and a ram is a male. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Good. So then, so then, so then, yeah. I could, this is my my milk making ewe, and this is my my wool shearing ewe, and this is my shefting ewe. Says the Gemara, when it comes to the wool sheared ewe, you can't use it on Yatif. You can't touch it on Yatif. Why? Because it's designated for the process of shearing. Says Shmuel, I don't care about that, says Shmuel and Rebbe Shimon. It happens to be helpful that Shimon and Shmuel have both shins at the beginning, so we can remember these easily. Shimon and Shmuel both agree that you can use that you, even if it's designated for shearing. Says Rebbe Yehuda, says Rav, no you can't. But why not? Why, according to Rebbe Yehuda, can't you? What's the reason? What makes it prohibited? it's set aside. <coughs> according to Shimon Rebbe it's not set aside. Why would it be set aside according to Rebbe Default is that it's set aside. What did we learn last week? <coughs> what did we learn last week about the concept of mukta Mahmash, Kis, specifically the Gemara on Kufnan Zion? We said the concept of Machmas Mahmash, kiss applies equally to Rabbi Yehuda, and to Rabbi Shimon. Remember this? Last week we said, even Rabbi Shimon, who holds that the default of mukta is that it's not mukta, even he agrees that mukta, is definitely still mukta. Even though you never even thought about it, even though you never designated it, even though you never set it aside. As Rashi tells us, it's valuable, it's set aside, it's not used for anything else, and therefore... That's considered mukta, machmas, and kiss, even according to Rabbi Shimon. Now, how do we poskin? Rabbi Yehuda or Rabbi Shimon? You would think, Rabbi Yehuda, because we always talk about muktzah, but we actually pass like Rabbi Shimon. We are more lenient. If you find something in your house which is usable, you can use it. Doesn't matter if we them, like Rabbi, you know, it doesn't matter what we say about muktzah. If it's a usable item, you can just assume that it's usable. You haven't thought about that cup. In years, you found it in your basement, it can be used as a cup, it doesn't matter whether you had the conscious decision before Shabbos to use it, because it's a cup, you're allowed to use it. That's Rebbe Shimon. Everything is default usable until you make it non-usable. Now, if you had a car, so just because you didn't think of it doesn't mean that it's default okay. That's Rebbe Shimon also. That's what we learned last week. Mukta Mahmati, Sarah, because it's unconsciously set aside, regardless of whether you thought about it. Right. Even Rabbi Shimon agrees, defaults, he agrees that it's going to be not up, but if there's something which is so obviously set aside, so then that's going to be up. We talked about that before, taking pots and putting salad in and them usually for cooking. Good. But can I take my bowl from my mixer as well, which is also usually used to... That's know, what we would call a Klishim Lophtah Lister. Now we had a discussion whether or not that was according to Rebbe Shimon or not, depending on whether or not that was a classic mukta case. We still didn't, we, we still don't have a clear conclusion about whether or not a Klesian Lakhalist is actually run by the, runs by the rules of, of mukta or not. But you are right, that could be a Rebbe Shimon thing too. That if you need that bowl, you can use that bowl. Regardless of if it's Rebbe Shimon or not. Uh, yeah, regardless if it's Rebbe Shimon or not. Because Klesian Lakhalist, you can use the for Raf But, when it comes to these cases, it would seem, therefore, that we would hold that you can use all these animals. right? You could use them for, for permitted purposes, obviously. You can't use it for prohibited purposes. But um, if you wanted to use them for... I don't know how you'd use it for food exactly, but on, on Yontif specifically, you could use them. And back to the original examples, the olive oil and the mats of the olive presses, and the protective mats of the merchandise, all of those are okay also. Even though Rav says they're after, they're set aside, they're used for something else, nonetheless, a Ra- said says it's okay, in line with Rabbi Shimon's opinion. Now, let us look at the Rambam's formulation of his halacha based on this Gemara. Kol Klee. Every item, shemakpir alav, that you are adamant about, careful about. Shema yib chatu damav, lest it, its value decrease. Yip chatu, like pachot, lessons. Damav, like the worth, the value. Kigon, like what? Kalim hamuktsim lishorat. Items which are designated for commerce, meaning your merchandise. Vikailim haikarim bioter. Or, not the same thing, but or something which is particularly expensive. Yakar. It's an expensive item. Shemakpid aleim shema yipasdu. That you're worried about them or you're careful about them lest you lose them. You don't want to, need to lose your cell phone. You don't want to lose your computer, right? That's so expensive. So then those items this is what we would call kis. these these valuable items asur talan. you are not allowed you are prohibited from moving them the Shabbos. vizahu hanikra kis. these are the items which you would call set aside on behalf of or in consideration of because of the loss of money Kagon, like what? Like we said last week, Masar Hagadov, Yate Sha Machishakin Shahbachin, Bhakher Shalushkaem, Vihit and Hakarashim, the corner shall basamim You can look in the uh, you can look in the translation on the back of the page. This category is referred to muta mukta, mukta left financial loss because included in this category are large a large style like it's on the in the Mishnah. The knife-like point of a plow, also in the Mishnah. A butcher's knife, which at least according to the is in the Gemara. And a leather worker's knife, a carpenter's plane. We talked about that also. A perfume maker's mortar and the like. All of these items are considered Muqtama's kisar and Kiss. And you are not allowed to touch them on Shabbos. Why is that a mystery? Who do we pass like Rabbi Huda or Rabbi Shimon? We possibly like Rabbi Shimon, according to the Gemara that we just looked at you're test, I'm base. It said that merchandise items you can move, right? We talked about the mass used to cover merchandise, transported on a ship. Those are permitted according to Shmuel, and yet the Ram and Shmua we know possibly like Rabbi Shimon, mm-hmm. and yet the Rambam here is possibly against Rabbi Shimon. So what gives? What is the difference between? This Gemara, if we, if we are going to assume, like Rabbi Shimon, and if we are going to assume that Rabbi Shimon allows it, so then why is the Rabbin saying that it's not allowed? That's our question. Any, any suggestions? Any suggestions how we can get ourselves out of this, uh, predicament? How could the Rabbin, Maimonides, the halachic disciples we know and love and trust, how could he go against Rabbi Shimon? Okay, so Reina wants to say that maybe there's something subjective to it. That there are no society. And therefore? They're more just Oh no, there's no difference between Spartan and nationalism in terms of Rabbi Shimon. We, everyone possible at Rabbi Shimon. Okay, oh. no? right. let's look at Rabbi Yosef Cairo. Who was Rabbi Yosef Cairo? He wrote the Shohanar, ultimately. But before he did that, he wrote something called the Beis Yosef. And before he did that, he wrote something called the Ketam Mishnah. actually I didn't look at the Ketam Mishnah. I probably should have. Ketam Mishnah is a commentary on the Rambam. The Beis Yosef is a commentary on the Torah, which is based on the Rambam. And the Shulchan Aruch is the sort of conclusions of Revitat Kairos, the understanding of all those things, oftentimes following in, in line with the Rambam. <clears throat> As we know, Yosef Cairo based many of his conclusions on the Rambam's conclusions. So when we look at Rav Yosef Cairo and his uh, commentary on the Rambam, we are expecting him to uh, to really follow suit. So when he comes and, and discusses this matter, he's trying to figure out what is the Rambam talking about so that he can come to his own conclusion. It's a long piece, but we can get through it quickly, I think. Kol ni nitelim This is an exact quote from the mission we did last week on Kufchav Gimel. All utensils can be moved on Shabbos. Chutz except for Mikaelim shalom khasalaham the items that the, the utensils that a person is worried about Chas. Chas means like to care for like khas shalom type of thing yeah so kol gemel that's what we did last week tenan revios kiom kol kim dal shavus kus minam etar galav yasishma farisha uperish rashi rashi explained there that's what that acronym means uperish rashi I think there's a bug in arguments, but Three things as we started today's class with. Number one, you care about them. Number two, you set them aside. You designate a space for them. And number three, they are not able to be used for something else. Which is also what we quoted before. There you go, Reina was right. It's on 157. The very last page of the Masechta. nikra Shimon moda bay. Even Rabbi Shimon agrees to it. gemara and on kufcha kimolam Amar harva deushkafi Rashi Sakin shal rasa anin, uh, which I think we said was the tanner's knife, I don't remember. Vesakin itash sakin shal base hamakulin shah katsavin mekatsim abustar, right, they chop, they chop meat with it. Chasina dolyodora, dolyadora, in French. Kolhani kapta alayim ishim de mefagme, um mekatsa you push them away, maybe not physically, but at least intellectually. You do not want them to get ruined. Dime pagme, like the word pagum. You don't want them to get ruined. and therefore it's as if you are pushing them aside. It's not just that they cut meat with it, but they actually slaughtered with it. You're even more scrupulous, more careful to not ruin that kind of knife. Because of our rush, and the rush comes along to add to that. The knife for a bris and the knife for a barber, saparim, like to spore to get a haircut. The sackin shell sofrim and the knife for a sofer who's who's using what? What is that? how do you use how does a sofer write with a quill? How do you make sure that the quill stays? Usable? Yeah. You have to sharpen it. You have a special carving knife. Kolmus. <clears throat> <coughs> I don't know what language the word kolmus is. It could be Aramaic. It might be something else. But there is a, uh, at least there was, a Jewish magazine called Kolmus. Be you familiar with Kolmus? It's part of one of the other ones. It's like, uh, I don't know if it was Bina or Mishpacha. was it Mishbacha? I think it was literally. Oh, Ami? Ami Mishpacha or Bina, I don't remember. Qumos means literally a quill. Oh. Um, <coughs> yeah, yeah, I have this time. They finished it? They're not doing it anymore? Oh, yeah, this time. oh really? Yeah. Oh, sure thing. Okay. <coughs> <I> <coughs> it was the session that about was about designated it. to like Torah discussion, which I like, as opposed to just a bunch of ads and then a couple of things mixed in, which is Mishbechah magazine. That's anyway. Exactly. Um, because you use these knives for those specific purposes, you care about them, you're meticulous to not use them for anything else, and therefore they are considered mukta. You are not allowed to move them. On Shabbos. And then he quotes this Rambam. Okay so there there you have it. sorry I think this is harab ha meaning the maagin Mishnah. If you have items which are designated for merchandise, for commerce, and you need them, you are allowed to move them. And all the more so from, from fruit, which were designated for commerce. Which are allowed to be eaten on Shabbos. If you own a store and you sell fruit and they're designated to be sold to customers and maybe you even care for them because that's your livelihood, you are nonetheless allowed to go into that store and to take a big chunk out of that apple. Just eat the whole thing. Why? We possibly grab a shimon. That Mishnah that we, that Gemara that we just read on Shabbos good uh, Test, well, this Rabbi Shimon allowed you to take the olive from the olive press. What are you using in the olive press? We don't know. What are you using that mat for, for your merchandise? It's for your merchandise. And nonetheless, it was okay. The chen mashma mi karche That's the gemara on your test. The isa, the sof perikama, kama, which is the end of the first parak. Sof perik kama, one of those acronyms that uh, you just figure out. Ubisov Misha and also at the end of the parak called Misha Hechsich, Shavas Kufnenvav, Vigam the parish mash, le, le parish, le farish parakama, mikom de Shimon. It's obvious that according to Rabbi Shimon, even for merchandise, which is designated for business, Lais, lei, mukta. You do not have any problem with mukta. It's designated to be sold. Is there any greater example of chisaron kiss than literally taking away from your inventory? So why is that okay? On Kufnan Zion, we saw that Rabbi Shimon holds mukta machmas chisaron kiss is a real thing. If you have a valuable, a valuable item that you care about, that you don't want to be lost, so that's mukta. Even according to Rabbi Shimon. And all of a sudden over here, this is all implicitly being asked by the Beit Yosef. He doesn't say it in, in, in as much words, as many words, but this is what he means. Why is that any different from the Gemara in Yis which says that the merchandise can be moved according to Rabbi Shimon? So what's the difference? Vav Tzadilam. I didn't know that one. Vav Tadilam, is the beginning of the line, next line. Vitsarif Lomar, you must say, I've been pinned into a corner. I'm compelled to explain the following. These two Gemaras don't make sense. It must mean this. The Lomar. The of When the Rambam tells us, the Kei'lem HaMuktim Asul those items which are designated for commerce, for merchandise, they are prohibited to be moved. When does that take effect? Dafka Shem Yipsadu. That's only when you care that you're going to lose out from them. And because of that, even if they're not particularly expensive, because you meet, you say these are my merchandise, you better not touch my merchandise. Because of that, because you're worried that you're going to lose out on them, meaning your concern, your worry, your uh, your meticulous care for these things, that's what causes them to be The katani Kai, mutsa haim eino If they're merchandise, and yes you're selling them, and yes you hope to make money with them, but you don't really care so much. What's one apple? You know, what's, it's a dollar. I don't know, probably less than that, depending on how you buy it. But it, it, you know, it's, a, it's a few cents here and there. Okay, do I want people to buy it instead? Yeah, I do, but it's not the end of the world. Some take the apple. So then, so then, even though they're merchandise. You're allowed to take the Uqadib Harab, Hamagi. That's actually a separate sentence, I think. Yeah, that's a separate topic. So what we find here is it does not matter what the item is. It does not matter where the item is. It matters what you think of that item, which is very interesting. Let's say you have Let's call him Elon Musk. Let's say he was Jewish. I don't know. Any of the big rich guys Jewish? Bezos Jewish? Gates Jewish. There are plenty of very rich people that are Jewish. I'm just saying like huge, super rich people. Let's say they had an iPhone. Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, there you go, that's an example. That sounds Jewish. Um, he's got an iPhone. He probably can buy tons of iPhones. Is his iPhone Muqtta Mahmah Kisarun or not? At the time that one is important to him. Okay. It could very well be. It could be that it's got all his contacts on it. It's got all of his information on it. It could be that's the one that he's most recently used and therefore it's particularly important for him to have that one. Let's say he's got a backup that's empty. So is that iPhone Muqtta If that's in my drawer I'm not touching it on Shabbos because that's very valuable to me. It's cost me a lot of money. I care about that. But for Mark Zuckerberg, he's not using it anyway. What does he care if somebody else touches it, somebody else moves it, somebody else loses it potentially? So now we find that it doesn't matter what the product is. It doesn't matter where the product is. It could be sitting in the front window of your store. This could be the one that you're showcasing to everybody. Look what we have here at this store. But you don't really care if that one gets sold or not. That's the, uh, the display one. It has to be discounted anyway. It's got a rip in the back. I don't know. You don't care if somebody takes that and you lose out on that on that on that uh, inventory. Doesn't matter where it is. It could be your most I don't know, most prized is the wrong word, but it could be one of your your best selling items. But if you got tons of it, so then it would not be most mouthful for gifts. You can you can imagine how this might get complicated. Yeah. You know, is this something that I care about or not? Mm-hmm. I didn't think about it before Shabbos. But you, what you find here is that even Rabbi Shimon agrees that there is a subjective Nature to mukta, that would be default mukta, according to Rabbi Shimon, who holds that default is always oh, never mukta. But this is even subjectively considered mukta. For one, for, for, for Mark Zuckerberg, it could be not mukta, according to Rabbi Shimon, and for me it would be mukta. Rabbi Shimon holds that. The lenient, default, all is okay, Rabbi Shimon would say that that's still mukta. So that's the concept of muktamachus At least according to the Rambam, according to how the explains it. That muktamach Mach has nothing to do with what the item is. It has nothing to do with where the item is. It has everything to do with what the person who takes it says. The person who has it. The person who is willing to give it up. I remember there was a makolot in Jerusalem run by a name. By, his name was Kobe. He was just, I'm going to Kobe's. I don't know yet. I think it was called. Um, Makolat Ararat, I think. I don't know the name. Reina, good biblical trip. Ararat? Yeah, where's Ararat the teva. from the Teva? That's where the Teva landed. Har Ararat. Um, so, anyways, the street was called Ararat. that is the Makolat was on. It's right. In the, I don't know if you're, anyone comes. If anyone's coming down from Shariachel into the old city, so you go down that narrow, like descending path. So there's like a. Yeah, this part, not really. But this is really the walking path, and uh, it's, it's very close quarters, and uh, you pass by it, it's like, you pass by it, but it's behind you, you wouldn't see the entrance, the entrance is behind you as you pass it. Um, it's right up, you know, from the Kotel Plaza, going up to Shariafo, coming down right, basically in the middle. And um, so it's right there. And over there, that and that Makolet, he allows guys to come in and take whatever they want on Shabbos. Very interesting. He It's a, like honor system. Honor system. Come back after Shabbos. Pay for what you took. So the point is, let's say that was a Jewish guy, and let's say he couldn't charge people for it. Could they go in and take the stuff? Well, that depends on the owner. Some owners are particular about, hey, you can't just take my stuff. And some are like, I want to be a nice Jew. You can come and take some water if you're, you know, it's a hot day in the old city, you know, which happens fairly often. Right, So it depends on the owner. It literally depends on the owner. It does, doesn't it depend on Rebbe Shimon, Rebbe Huda. It doesn't depend on what the item is. It depends entirely on the owner. It's all subjective, according to the Rambam. According to Beit Yosef's understanding of the Rama. Is there... Is there um, possibly another way to understand this? Is there possibly another way to understand this based on what we said something like this last week? We asked a question last week, which was... When we say the concept, and this is going to be a cliffhanger, just like it was last week, when we say the concept of mukta machmas is that only built upon the concept of klishim lachde or can it also even apply to klishim lachde If I have a napkin holder, or great example I actually saw today, I read today in preparation for a future week that there's a machlokas about kosher le-pesach, kalim. You've got your Pesach dishes in the pantry. And lo and behold, you're having a huge meal and you need another plate. It's Shabbat already. You didn't plan ahead. Can you go into your Pesach pantry and take that plate? How do we designate? How do we classify, categorize that plate? We said no. so we're asking it now. Said no. well, I'm saying, how do you categorize it first before we get to the conclusion? What kind of item is that on, on, for Shabbat? What is it set aside for? Something mutter or something other? Okay, so then we would call it a klisha laheter. We're not talking about your Pesach uh, blender. We're talking about your Pesach dish, your plate, your cup. That would be a klisha malachta heter. Is that or is that not also muqtza malachta well, if mukta Chisaron kiss is a subcategory of Klesha Mlachil and only Klesha Malachil so it is literally impossible for your Pesach dishes to become mukta. Because they are Kleshmachtil They're already okay. There's nothing you can do to them. As we saw in the Gemara Kupchab Kimel, one Gemara follows the other, as if to say that they're they're joined at the hip. The mukta Chisaron kiss Mishnah that we looked at last week, is explained by, or is, is uh, uh, elaborated upon with the discussion of klisham lakta So perhaps those two things go together. The question is how they go together. So according to, according to some, they will tell you that the Pesach dishes are klisham lakta and therefore, they cannot become Muqtamach, Maschisar, Kis. other will tell you that it's letter, and they can still be Muqtamach, Maschisar, Kis. So when we look at the Rambam, and we say, these pieces of merchandise are usher because, you're not allowed to move them because Muqtamach, Maschisar, Kis. But then we say, wait a second, the Rambam, don't you see the Gemara on Yud-Tess on the Beis and Shabbos that says that your merchandise is still off-limits? Maybe the Raman can say, whoa, 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 don't point fingers at me. Those are Klesha Malakdala Heter's in that Gemara. That Gemara on your test is talking about a mat that you spread over your merchandise. It's not talking about the merchandise yourself. The merchandise itself, yes, that's Klesha Malakdala Heter. You can't do commerce on Shabbos. You can't sell things on Shabbos. So those items are usher. But the mat that you're putting over it, yes, you might be using it for commerce at the moment. But that's the Klisha Malakdala Heter's. The Raman doesn't have to bend over backwards to say like the Beis Yosef necessarily, to say, oh well it depends if you care about it. No, no, no. That's a Klisham Rachelah issue. And Klisham Rachelah can never become a Mukhtamach Mask Kis issue. So on the one hand what we have is the Beis Yosef who explains that Mukhtamach Mask is entirely dictated by the individual. How much do you care about that item? Is it really something that you care if somebody touches or not? And therefore, the definition of mukta mah is subjective. But if you come at this Rambam and you say, wait a second, maybe you can make a distinction between the Rambam-maskhisarankis. I haven't seen anybody say this. This is only my own idea. I can imagine someone saying this, but, you know, it's possible that nobody... I wouldn't be surprised that no one says this because maybe it's wrong. But one could say, the Rambam doesn't believe that mukta mah is subjective because it's objective. We have to take a poll and we have to determine the most common uh, perspective, the most common attitude towards an iPhone, regardless of your Mark Zuckerberg or Shia Katz. It doesn't matter who you are. Does the most Do most people in the population believe that the iPhone is something you're going to be careful about, that you don't want lost, you don't want broken? Yeah, of course. I don't care if it's if it's Mark Zuckerberg's iPhone, he has to consider a mukta too. It's not subjective. Well, what about this Gemara and you test that says it's okay? Yeah, that's those are Khalisha Machdalaheters. And when it's a Khalisha Machlhet, it's a different story entirely. Maybe you could say that. But at least according to the Vesosi, what we know is that Muqtama Sarankis is dictated entirely by the individual. It's subjective. Even though you maybe explain the realm otherwise, we'll hopefully get into that discussion. Is Mukta Mahmas exclusively for cliche and or do you can you also be can be can you also be stringent for it even if it's a cliche lactolater. Alrighty. Everyone should be well.